Hey everybody, this is Between the Gutters. Uh, we're uh, we're getting together to do our thing and talk about more comics. And uh, right now, we as a group, uh, me, uh, Drew, uh, Shanus, and Zach, we, we just watched a video from a YouTuber who put out a list of the top 10 worst omnibuses. And uh, this was a list that almost on every mark was representative of everything that Between the Gutters is not about. He, like, this dude missed the mark on almost every item, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So. His list um, was not guttertastic at all. It was not. It belonged in the actual gutter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was not guttertastic. Something that we put our brand and our name on. <laughs> Between Alicious. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't know how you guys want to do this. Do you want to, like, go over each item? Yeah, let's, let's talk had? about all the stuff that he disrespected. Yeah. I think uh, first on his uh, top ten list was the Muppets omnibus, the stuff that Marvel put out. The You know, the, the good run of the Muppets by Roger Langridge. Yep. When I saw him put that on the list first, I was like, man, that's disrespectful. This, yeah. this didn't even probably read it. He, I mean, I think he said it was for kids or something, and he didn't, I mean, he only bought it because he was a completionist. And he collects, exactly. He's the guy who collects every omnibus that Marvel and DC make, so he just, that's the only reason he bought it. And Yeah. Well, that, and he said he saw it on eBay for 20 bucks. That's yeah. a great deal. So you yeah. don't complain. Seriously. It's like saying Pixar's for kids. Sure, it's for kids, but it's also written for adults. Like Muppets has references and other like um ideas that as a, as adults we can enjoy or at least harken back to our days of youth and be like, yeah, those are fun. Yeah, like, and it's, it's I have a, I have a Muppets book. If I'd known there was there were two omnibus, I would have bought them. Yeah. To be honest, like not that I believe in the idea of necessarily judging a book by its cover, but he did look like the kind of guy who wouldn't be able to, wouldn't be willing to appreciate something like that. <laughs> well, he looked, he's, from from the videos that I have seen of his, he, he seems like the kind of guy who likes uh, a lot of 90s stuff, because I, I think he said a lot of, you know, positive things about things like Onslaught or Age of Apocalypse and the X-Men yeah. stuff from the 90s that, the stuff that, you know, we grew up with it, so we, we know that stuff. Maybe there's, like, a little bit of nostalgia for us, but on, on like, the most basic fundamental level, we're able to recognize, yeah, that ain't good. <laughs> that ain't yeah. good comics. I don't want to <laughs> own the omnibus. I'm well, not perpetually stuck in an eternal state of 13-year-oldness. So, yeah. <laughs> I, you know. Well, so, I also have seen a few of his videos before I just got tired of them, is that his a lot of his videos really focus more on um, like whether or not it was worth buying something for its collectability value, which as, as a video aspect, if you want to focus on the collectability of comic related um, products, that's completely fine. I, for those who want to invest in that kind of stuff, though it can be, that could be useful, but I just don't see somebody whose dedication is in focus, especially in this video where he's talking about these almost where he kept repeating, I, as a completionist, I bought this for my collection. His focus is on collecting these omnibuses and it seemed like reading them was sort of secondary to him having them in his collection. The dude is very obviously a comic speculator. The, the guy, 
like he'll talk about comics that he enjoys, but I think that's secondary to his main hobby, which is selling or collecting for the sake of monetary value. He he's he seems like the kind of guy who likes to hustle. Yeah, I think I think that was one thing that you uh, mentioned to me uh, one time, Albert, um, when we were offline. But you're like his his hobby is not really comics. His his main hobby is hustling. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I was watching. So I I don't know why I watch this guy's videos, but I do. Like he he has clickbaity titles and. I think sometimes I just look for things to hate about him. Because <laughs> that's one of my hobbies, hating things, <laughs> hating people. <laughs> but um, one, of the, one of the episodes that he posted on YouTube was um, him answering questions, fan questions, where they, people were asking him, how do you afford all this stuff? Because... I'll I'll admit he's got a impressive man cave. He's got a lot of stuff in there. Um, well, you should he, also observe that from video to video, he changes what he puts on his bookshelves in the background. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I I'm I'll probably say he's probably got more comics than I do. He probably he definitely has more statues and stuff than I do collectibles. But I was watching this video on how he is able to afford all this stuff even though he works, you know, a standard nine to five job. And he talked about how, I forget what ex exactly he does for a living, but I, it sounded like he's, uh, he's like, I want to say it's either in government or he's, uh, he's some sort of, uh, he works in, he might even work in insurance as just like some admin or something like that. It's not like he's upper tier executive or anything. So he was talking about how, how he's able to afford all this stuff and he was telling stories about how he would buy things and he would constantly he would get his entertainment value out of it and then flip it and just he would just keep hustling like trying to trade up so that he could either get something better or make more money off it and he was talking about how he was a people person and he had the personality for sales and that's just how he did it even I bet you his, say, uh, his, his role model is probably that dude who, who traded a paperclip for all this stuff and eventually got a house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so. Well, that's the thing. He even went on to say that he traded, uh, I don't know if it was like one statue or several statues, but he was able to trade up enough stuff to buy a car. You know? So uh, I guess in terms of, if I was the kind of person who was impressed by his ability to hustle, I would have some respect for that, but seeing as how I'm a comics fan first, I ain't got no respect for that. <laughs> I, I spit on him. <laughs> Jeez. That's pretty intense. I spit on his mom. <laughs> before he was born? Uh, uh, before he was born, when he was a toddler, when he was old enough to have his first memory so that he can remember me spitting on his mom. I, I don't want to go back in time to stop the assassination of JFK or to murder Hitler. I want to go back in time to spit on his mom so that he can remember me spitting on his mom. Repeatedly. <laughs> Repeatedly. <laughs> but anyway, yes, the Muppets. If you guys find a copy of the Muppets Omnibus, you should definitely cop that because that is some 
really intelligent and humorous cartooning by Roger Langridge. Well, definitely I mean, worth it. The, the one thing I will give credit to his video is that I became aware of Omnibus that I did not know existed before. So thanks to him, I know now what things I'm missing. It, yeah, those Muppets Omnibuses might be out of print, so I'm not sure how easy they are to obtain now. But, uh, yeah, but I mentioned you think not everything that's hard to obtain is always going to be expensive. Some people will try to market up the prices, but if nobody's buying them, then you could hit him up and see if he'll give it to you for thirty bucks. The both of them. I could, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. Spend twenty on it. Twenty-five dollars. Yeah. Get a five-dollar profit. Cover shipping. I'll give you twenty-five dollars, and I'll only spit on your mom once. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I didn't know about this, the superior foes of Spider-Man. That would be a fun thing to read. Yeah, well, we're gonna keep foes of Spider-Man was a good run on that list, so we'll get to it. Um, yeah, I don't so even remember. I didn't write like the the list the of next thing on his, his list, list was Electra. Okay, okay, because I didn't write it down in order. I just wrote down what I remembered. And yeah. Tangled Web. Oh man! Yeah, after Electra, it was Tangled Web. So behind. But anyways, let's like let's just keep going. Yeah. So Electra. So he had the Electra omnibus as one of his top ten worst omnibuses. So that that Electra omnibus includes Electra Assassin, the eight issue miniseries by Frank Miller and Bill Sinkevich, as well as a uh, I think Electra Lives Again and maybe uh, some miscellaneous Electra stories that Frank Miller did. I think it also includes the What If Electra story too, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's the miscellaneous story that I was thinking of. He did say that. Uh, he read a bunch of the Frank Miller Daredevil and he was super into it. So going into Electra, you know, this was Bill Sikowitz and uh, Frank Miller. He, he thought he was getting, you know, more of that. So that, that was what he was expecting. And he, he didn't have respect for the art. He just thought it was too abstract. That's yeah, that's ridiculous, man. <laughs> yeah. It's like he didn't I like mean, the painted style. <laughs> yeah, it's like the moment I hear like oh, art, it's abstract. I'm like, isn't art kind of intentionally meant to be abstract? And, and like, it's also comic book art. It, yeah, there's a lot of different really styles of drawing. Most part. Look, he's just not happy because <clears throat> Greg Capullo didn't draw it. <laughs> <laughs> I want Greg Capullo's Electra. <laughs> but it's just like, but it, but it seems like he's mixing two different things because like, fine, he's, in, he's allowed to not like the art. Everybody has different tastes. But not liking the art doesn't mean it's a bad story. And even if it were, what makes it a bad omnibus, honestly? Well, he did also mention that he wasn't able to read it all the way, or he, he wasn't willing to read it all the way through and it felt like it was too dense for him, and it was almost like reading a novel, is what he said. Right, he did say that, and which... Like, eh. That says more about him than about the comic, to be honest. Yeah. Drew? Yeah, I think he said, I think he said uh, Wall of Text at some point. Um, yeah. Kind of what stood out to me, I mean, I hadn't seen this guy's videos, or I don't really know anything about him until you guys showed the videos, so you're probably a lot more uh, familiar with his stuff than I am. Um, but just right off the bat, kind of what stood out to me was the criteria for judging didn't seem exactly uh, uh, clear or really like soundly based, if that makes sense. I don't think he established like, any criteria. It was it was basically just these are the top 10 worst. 
yeah, no, it was like, um, I don't like this. I tried to put this in my collection and I just got it for the collectability value, but I didn't like it. I didn't enjoy it, blah, blah, blah. This was before my time. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, well, I'm like, well, you know, okay, we're What we're does all, that do for me? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're all entitled to our opinions or whatever. And it's like, okay, if you bought something and you didn't enjoy it or you didn't like the story, you didn't like the art, um, even if it's Bill Sienkiewicz, I have another, you know, that's another rant, but yeah. like, okay, if, if you didn't enjoy it, fine. Well, why don't you explain or present uh, a well-reasoned argument so that we can understand why exactly you, you didn't enjoy this or why you thought uh, the craft was poor or that it wasn't worthy of someone else's attention. Um, you know, the guy's got his channel. He likes to hustle. He, he does what he likes as far as comics are concerned. That's cool. I mean, whatever you want to do, that's fine for you. But it's just, if you're going to present an argument like that or, or an opinion, for me as a listener, I would like to understand a lot better, like, you know, how, how did he get to that point? What was his reasoning process? Um, obviously we don't agree and we can explain why we don't, but mm -hmm. I'm pretty curious to know how he got there and how he justifies uh, some of the decisions that he made in the video. Yeah, I agree with you, Zach. Actually, something I'm thinking about earlier is that all his commentary was very shallow and short-lived of like, I couldn't get through this. I'm like, okay, fine. You said you don't like the arc first. Say so you have some more information. But like, what I was trying to just earlier is that I think there's a separation. This was a bad uh, ominous production versus this is a bad story. Because you could read the lecture on the stories in single issues and he'd probably still have the same issue. Like I would not have liked art. It's still been like whatever, like a novel to me. So when you're saying these are bad omnibus, I'm asking the question like, oh, you're saying that production-wise they're bad value? So like for example, his comment about the first flash falling from DC was really thin. Like, okay, if you went into the level of like, this was this cost me this much for these many pages of stories, whereas these other two were, were bigger and these cost the same price, Okay, now we're discussing the level of this is a bad production value. This wasn't worth my buying this for the small size I got. Or the Miles Morales Spider-Man where he says, great story, but the pages were coming off the spine. This was poorly um, produced, poorly put together. And so in that respect, that's what I'm thinking in my head of like, when you're saying bad omnibus, you're saying there's a bad putly together item. If you're criticizing or saying I couldn't get to the stories, then your video should say these are the top ten collected stories in in um, in throughout Marvel or DC. So I, I just I guess there's a distinction in my head between calling something an omnibus cr critique, where you're critiquing the omnibus as a product, versus critiquing the stories contained in the omnibus. Yeah, exactly. Like. There could be two different channels going on here, or he could be doing two different channels where if he was super specific, he could talk about these are the top 10 omnibuses that are the worst based on their physical traits mm -hmm. on, on the actual production value of the omnibus itself, as opposed to another video saying these are the top 10 worst omnibus collected stories uh based on my preference of you know mm -hmm. i think bill sickwitz draws like scribbles or whatever <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't deserve eyesight <laughs> it's wasted on him <laughs> the next up on the list was tangled web um of spider-man of spider-man this was something that 
it didn't make it onto uh, our 25, or at least so far, it hasn't made it onto our list of top 25 Marvels of all time. But it's it's a great series. It's um, it's an anthology series, and it's a bunch a bunch of shorter runs by various creative teams. So you never really got a longer ongoing story arc, but you would get you know, two issues or even one issue or maybe even three. Yeah, uh, there are a couple of three-issue stories. Yeah, a couple of three-issue stories. Maybe some might have even been longer uh, where someone would write something and it was their idea of what Spider-Man was about, you know? And it's a truly creative series in the sense that I don't think I'd ever seen anything like that up to that point. I've, I don't... As far as yeah, I not, not for Spider-Man. Yeah, that, not for Spider-Man, exactly. I was kind of like uh, the Spider-Man version of Legends of the Dark Knight, where yeah, every yeah. issue was just a killer creative team, and they could do whatever story they wanted about Spider-Man. I, I think like the first the first three Garth issues Ennis. was uh, Garth Ennis and uh, John McRae, you know, the yeah. team from Hitman, doing a Spider-Man story. You had Peter Milligan and Duncan Figredo doing... Flowers for Rhino, which is probably still the greatest Rhino story of all time. Yeah. Dude, that, Brian that, that, was, yeah, that, that one story. That's yeah. the one story that always stays in my mind when I think of Tangled Web. Yeah, there's also that Greg Rucka and Eduardo Rizzo joint where they uh, did a story about uh, one of Kingpin's low-level mobsters who was it was from told from his point of view, and he was scared about Spider-Man catching him after a crime. Like, yeah, that was a really good story too. I, I think that one even might have won an award or something. I forget. Was that the one where, um, where it was about the the Kingpin's thug who, who basically knew that he was kind of caught between a rock and a hard place. Yeah, and it was about him. Like Spider Man wasn't even really a huge presence in the comic, except that Spider Man was there to foil this plan that he was involved in. And yeah, because exactly. of that, he had to pay the consequences. That's right. In order for the kingpin to get away, or to get uh, uh make an example of deniability. Him. Yeah. So that the the crime wouldn't fall on the kingpin. It 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 was a really good noirish story, you know. Like this dude was in a lose lose situation. That yeah, that was a great story. There was that Brian Azarella's story. I forgot. That was the who, wrestler uh, one. Huh. That was the one about Crusher Hogan. Yeah, it was about Crusher Hogan, the, the guy that uh, Peter Parker wrestled in the first issue of uh, Amazing, in issue 15 of Amazing Fantasy, his first appearance. Yeah. It was a story from Crusher Hogan's point of view. I he forget who drew that issue. What's that? He gave Crusher Hogan a backstory. Yeah, I forget who drew that issue, but I think that issue was also co-written uh, with a... Uh, another with a pro wrestler but i, I can't i forgot really? which wrestler it was oh interesting it might have been raven but but i could be wrong well that might be the best thing raven ever wrote <laughs> yeah, yeah tangled web that's series. definitely a series that everybody needs to check out if you got any love for good comics if you got any love for spider-man tangled web is pretty high up there in terms of good spider-man runs the only thing in Tangled Web that I would say was kind of whack was there was a two-issue story written by uh, Daniel Way. I think it was a Tombstone story. That one wasn't very good. But, man, you get, like, superstars like Greg Rucka, Azarello, Darwin Cook, um, 
Zeb Wells did some. Yeah, it's just a yeah. smorgasbord of great Spider-Man stories. And all this, all the dude had to say about it was, these were stories that he had never heard of, and he didn't care to hear about them again. And <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not our fault. He's a plebeian. And he was upset that, I felt like he was incensed at the fact that this thing got an omnibus, but Dan Slott's Spider-Man, specifically Dan Slott's superior Spider-Man, never got an <laughs> omnibus. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Why? Why? That Next was... Up, oh, yeah, go ahead. No, what were you going to say? I was going to say that was just the similar complaint he had about the superior foes of Spider-Man Omnibus. Which was the next on the list, which was, it was a story about, uh, it's written by Nick Spencer, and it's a story taken from... Drawn by Steve Lieber. Who, uh, Steve Lieber? Yeah. Yeah. And it was a story taken from the perspective of the villains of Spider-Man, like some D-listers, and I never, I didn't read the whole thing, but from what I did read, it was a fun comic. It was kind of a, yeah, it was kind of a jokey uh, take on, on, on his villains and just, you know, what, what it was like for them to get by as Spider-Man's villains. Yeah, it's a, it's a comic book about jobber villains. Yeah, <laughs> basically. And I, I don't. I don't even think he went into why he didn't like that aspect of it. Uh, the main thing that I got from it was, again, why does this exist in an omnibus, but, you know, Dan Slott's Superior Spider-Man doesn't. Which, yeah. That's not good enough for me. Like, Superior Foes of Spider-Man got a good amount of critical acclaim, too. Yeah. Like, it... I think um, Steve Lieber, he, he definitely speaks pretty fondly of it because he, he had a pretty long career in comics up to that point already. But I think Superior Foes was something that kind of reinvigorated his name. Um, and, and right now he's, he's actually doing uh, Jimmy Olsen uh, for DC Comics with Matt Fraction. And, and that's regarded as like one of the, the top books going on right now, you know? Nice, nice. Um... Yeah. Uh, next up, from what I remember, was Morrison's Batman. I want to say. Yeah, we can Grant Morrison's Batman omnibuses. There are yeah. two of them out so far, and the guy was like, "Yeah, I don't like these. They didn't make sense. I'll probably still buy the third one when it comes out because I'm a completionist, though." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that attitude in and of itself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's something comical about that. Yeah. Like, I know I'm not going to like it, but I just got to get it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, if anyone doesn't have anything to add about that. I mean, it's Grant Morrison, which is like, don't respect Grant Morrison, man. <laughs> don't disrespect him. Yeah. He's, um, uh, that, that run on Batman is probably my favorite um, extended run on the character in a really long time. Uh, like I, I can't really think of uh, what else is really up there. I mean, everybody seems to like the Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo run, but uh, I'm, I'm not a fan of that. The Tom King stuff, I read probably like the first three or four trades and yeah. uh, kind of fell off it. Yeah, so same here. It, it, could be, it could be good, but um, 
I, I got to reserve my judgment until I read like the majority of it, at least. Yeah. It just wasn't something, the Tom King stuff just wasn't something that grabbed me to the point where I was like, I got to keep on reading this. You know, I was like, I read a few, I was like, it's fine, but you know, it ain't, it ain't Grant Morrison. Yeah. Oh, the Muppet Umbuses are still available in, in stock. Nice. Okay. How much? Um, um, on in stock trades, um, for the Muppets Omnibus, it's thirty four seventy nine, and for the Muppets Baby Omnibus, it's forty three fifty. Nice. Okay. Cool. So they're both forty two percent off whatever the cover price would be. Okay. But Superior Foes doesn't seem to be available on Amazon through a third through a, like a marketplace seller. It doesn't seem to be available. I couldn't find it on DCBS or in stock trades, but you can find it on Amazon. Um, but it's through a, um, a, a third marketplace okay. seller, so it's not through Amazon directly. What was after uh, Morrison's Batman, Albert? Next up, I believe it was Jeff Johns' The Flash. Which... Oh, yeah, we give Jeff Johns a hard time on this show, I feel like, but The Flash is genuinely great. Yeah, like, it's one of his earlier works, and it's a high point in his career. And yeah. it's funny to me that that was the one thing that he hated that we did. Or not the one thing, but I, yeah, I guess it's the one thing that I would have expected him to like. Because yeah. he, he did mention that he he implied that it was a surprise that Jeff, there would be a Jeff Johns work included on the omnibuses. So the implication being that He's a fan of Jeff John's other works. Which... He's a fan of the Green Lantern stuff that Jeff yeah. John did, right? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. Yeah. Yeah. But Jeff John's run with The Flash is... That's probably my favorite run on The Flash. Yeah. It's great stuff. It's uh, him and Scott Collins and Howard Porter. And then there was this other guy. I don't remember. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know what he went on to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To be that honest, was... sorry. Go ahead, Drew. Go ahead. Oh, Drew. I was just gonna say that was the Wally West Flash, which is who is still my preferred Flash. He's the Flash for our our age. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Go ahead, Zach. I was just gonna say, to be honest, that was the only thing, uh, one of the only things <clears> in that <throat> video that just really made me laugh. Because like, as soon as he said Jeff Johns, I was like. Oh, like something the guys are finally going to agree on. Then he goes, Flash. And I was like, ah, oh, like <laughs> <laughs> the one thing he could have maybe agreed on, it, it just had to be that one. So. Yeah. Like it's, I, I, I'm pretty sure it was the comic that propelled Jeff Johns like into where he is now. It's, it, it was the launch pad that showed that he was capable of writing like good stuff, but uh, there's definitely a point in his career where there's a massive drop off in his quality. <laughs> yeah, but the yeah, Flash was not that. That Flash part. was a high point for sure. Yeah, that that's one of the best DC superhero runs of the past twenty years or so. Yep. Next up on that on the list was I believe it was the Golden Age Silver Age omnibuses that. Yeah. And he had like dozens of them too. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna defend these as much as the other comics on his list because I haven't read them, and I'll be honest when I say that they don't necessarily appeal to me. So, 
maybe I'll give him a little leeway there, but where I will ding him is he did say that he knew that he wasn't into it, but he continued to buy them. <laughs> and the the number of them, like these are books that are in the double digits at this point, you know? Yeah. Like there, there's got to be more than 10 at the very least, you know? there It's like a huge stack of them. And he just continues to buy them. So I'm going to judge him on that. <laughs> it, yeah, it's it's just one of those things, man, where you, it makes you wonder uh, as a person, why would somebody continue buying stuff that he knows he doesn't like and that he knows he's not going to read? I mean, for him, I guess he's a completionist. Um, that's not really a mentality I, I relate with. So I'll, I'll never really understand why it has to be like that for him. Um, but I, I will also say that it just feels kind of disrespectful to put those books on this list because it goes back to what uh, Zach mentioned earlier, right? Like how, what is the criteria for, for making it on this, on this, on his list? And I guess if he didn't read it, then they're bad. Yeah. I don't get that. You know, like how can you how can you fairly judge something for being bad when you haven't even read it and you'd have no intention of ever reading it? Yeah. yeah. Well, that was that was another thing that was confusing to me. And again, it seems like you guys have have seen well, more than one of his videos at this point. This is like the first one that I've seen. So maybe speak to that speak to that a little bit if I'm if he says something in another video that answers the question, but it's like I'm, I'm hearing and seeing two different things. Like, okay, I get that his criteria for buying stuff a lot of times is that he's a collector, he's a hustler, uh, he's a completionist. That was pretty clear. But then on the other hand, as we talked about before, I don't really hear the same level of detail in the description for the criteria of, um, for him, what constitutes quality and what doesn't. So that's the first inconsistency. The second one is that as we've already established, he keeps buying this stuff. I mean, I, I get the completionist part, but it's like, well, one, if you don't like it and you're still buying it, I think that requires an explanation. Two, if you can't even finish it and you're not telling me what the criteria for by which you're judging, it's a bad story. That's another inconsistency. And the third one is if you're telling me it's a bad story, but you didn't even finish it, and you just bought it to complete the set or whatever, then that, there's just a lack of information there that doesn't really tell me anything. It just feels like he has like OCD or something like that. But it wouldn't surprise me if he doesn't really count that as a loss because I wouldn't be surprised if at some point he decides when he's, you know, had his fill of it, he's just going to find a way to hustle and flip it and either make more money off it or recoup his losses or trade it in for something that he does want, you know, whatever that may be. <laughs> could be, could be. Yeah. Uh, we, I, I wanted to go back cause we did miss one of his earlier uh, comics. Um, he also included Miles Morales's Spider-Man. So that's right. Yeah, that was something that he included. He he didn't necessarily say that he hated the story on that one, but 
in this instance, he, he did go out of his way to specifically say that it's not on the list because of its content, but because of the production of the actual book itself. So I don't know if that gives you more respect or for him at all. It doesn't really guys. affect it. I mean, it, it's just the inconsistency of how he uh, based his list, you know, the criteria on which he based his list. Yeah. So like on, on something like the Miles Morales Spider-Man uh, by Bendis and company, or even the Jeff Johns Flash omnibus run, uh, like those kind of were based on, on the production values. Um, and I do have the Miles Morales Spider-Man volume one omnibus, which is the thing that he specifically pointed out on his top 10 worst omnibus list. And yeah, from what I've read online and my copy has the same flaw, the spine, the binding is not very good. Um, basically, if you read it, if you hold it open on a table for however long it takes you to, to read through it, it's the, the pages kind of peel, peel off the ribbon. Not, they don't peel off the ribbon like as in they fall off, but you can tell that the, that the glue is pretty flimsy and it just doesn't look right, man. When you look into the eye of the omnibus, it doesn't yeah. look right. <laughs> it's um, in this case, if he had made a top ten list of like top most 10 defective omnibuses, omnibuses, exactly. I would, I definitely would have had more respect for that yeah. as a as a buyer of uh, these stories, which I love and I want to have in the best possible uh, format, like. That's that's valuable information to know. Yeah. Fortunately, that's not what he used it his his platform for. <laughs> <laughs> so so I was doing some research on the back end. So the Miles Morales almost he was referring to is that the Ultimate Spider-Man one or was it the um, Marvel Universe version? What are you talking about? The Miles Morales almost that was that he had been speaking about. I was just doing some research on the back trying to figure out which because there apparently there is an almost for the Miles Morales collection. There are uh, two omnibuses. Um, one coming out later than July. Or maybe, a, or maybe a republication of the one that he was talking about that had the bad spine. That could be it. Because um, the Bendis run was completed in two omnibuses. Mm -hmm. And the first omnibus is the one with the bad spine. And that's the ultimate Spider-Man one, right? Because that's where it started? Uh, I, I don't remember the exact title i'd have to look at my copy but i think the cover says miles morales uh spider-man but i could be wrong it might be the it collects the stuff from his very first appearances so that would be the stuff from uh ultimate comics spider-man okay i think because I, I was trying to call it because like the cover he had showed was one where spider-man was st standing sitting like clinging to two taxi cabs yeah that's the one okay yeah so it looks like they're they're re-releasing that in about 10 days probably to fix the publication issues yeah well because there's a book that, that released last case. february called spider-man miles Morales omnibus which apparently takes place in the 616 universe yeah that's the second volume of the bendis okay. that's the stuff that um that collects the stories that happened after secret wars mm. Do you think that they would actually fix it or are they just re-releasing it? <laughs> I, I think they'd fix it. I think they'd have, they'd have a huge uh, 
a turd storm on their hands if they just really says it was not fixing the problems. You've got a lot of faith in You've got a lot of returns. Like if everybody returned the books, that means that they got no sales. Uh, yeah. I, I want to believe that they'll fix it and that they'll produce a better omnibus, but... Yeah. I don't know how confident I am about Marvel. I know I do. I can say that with DC, they've had some omnibuses that were printed with some uh, pretty grievous errors, and they ended up uh, doing recalls and and reprinting uh, yeah. corrected versions. But that's different because those were like misprinted pages or something. Whereas this, yeah. the product, at least on the face of it, and for however long, it seemed like it was. You know, if you don't touch it and it just sits on a shelf, <laughs> yeah, it looks like it's pristine. Yeah, <laughs> but on the but on the flip side, when I think the first omnibus type books came out through Marvel, they were always high quality and the generally the spine construction was really well done. Whereas the DC omnibuses initially were all like glued versions of the spine, and those had issues with pages eventually coming out very easily. I think DC's changed its um, omnibus spine construction. So even though DC has done recalls and Marvel hasn't, I think overall Marvel's always done a better job of initially producing better quality books. I hope so. So I, I wish they would have done a recall, but the fact they're willing to put it back out there, I would imagine they probably are aware of the issue and fix it. Because if anybody bought it and they were like, my pages are falling out, I, they would have definitely recourse to get a refund. And no business can exist on having 90% or more of the product be refunded you know right right yeah what's next up albert oh we're in the home stretch but he put this one hit home personally but the savage sword of conan and conan the barbarian you know? is it because albert you're a savage <laughs> well i am a savage <laughs> but... <laughs> we, we but talked mostly... pretty in depth about the savage sword of conan in, in one of our uh, episodes a couple years ago because it was on our top 25 marvels of all time list Wow, we put it a couple years ago. I'm like, dang. So this one, it crosses our path directly. (laughs) Yeah, it was another one where the guy didn't really have anything of substance to say. It was just, all he really said was, these comics were before my time. I've never been interested in Conan. That's why they're on this list. Man, I'm just now thinking, like, imagine if I was back in, like, middle school or high school, and I could read these books, and I'm like, I can't. They're before my time. I can't make you read this. You would have been an insufferable child. <laughs> well, here's the thing that I don't get. I mean, I, I don't think the dude's that much older than, than us. like he's our age. No, yeah, I think he's our maybe age, he's our maybe age maybe right? a bit younger. Huh? Say that again? He is around our age, just not maybe a couple years younger. Maybe. But if if he is around our age, then I'm assuming that he grew up watching Conan the Barbarian the movie so, yeah not even the animated the arnold movie oh, arnold schwarzenegger yeah. well they also did a recent remake of the movie i think about 6 years ago with jason momoa yeah that's right yeah well i mean my conan's always probably going to be arnold no but i'm saying but... that conan <laughs> is an ageist kind of story it's just about a guy who just likes the world of of fighting straightforwardness and women you know it's a pretty <laughs> awesome fantasy story yeah yeah, he's a, like, it's not, it's not Lord of the Rings fantasy. It's sword and sorcery fantasy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like Frank Frazetta or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> but, 
but yeah i mean my thing is even so even if you're if you're gonna put the age thing out there let's say he was much much younger and it's before his time it's like well okay i mean shakespeare and beethoven and all those other things are before my time jack kirby's before my time john brusemann's before my time um you know we can golden age comics are before my time you know it's our parents are before our time (laughs) (laughs) exactly it's just like well let's let's just throw everything out the window then it's like i'm sorry if that's your sole criteria for um judging that I, i i just don't really see how that's valid i mean if you didn't if you legitimately didn't enjoy the story or the art or whatever for some legitimate reason due to craft, you can make a case for that. But it's just, uh, it's kind of old. I just didn't want to read it. Like, wow. Okay. I think it's a whole idea of like, everybody's entitled to an opinion. Doesn't mean your opinion is (laughs) valid. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that was the thing though, because it was, it was not just really him stating his opinion, which however well or however badly founded it was okay fine whatever but it was him um you know kind of trying to persuade other people to hold the same point of view hey this is what you guys should or should not read and it's like well if you're going to make a persuasive argument like that um to me it just has to be backed up with a a lot more weight than like oh it was just kind of old so i didn't read it you know that's that's not enough for me yeah it's like I would. I had two phases of laughter. I first laughed when he revealed the book. He's saying this is the top among the top ten worst of this, and then I'd laugh again when he provide a, a, like his reason for why he didn't like it. Because the reason would just be like it's not even a reason. It's just like I just I just didn't like it. It's like it's like talking to a little child and saying why didn't you, why didn't you like it? It's like I just, just didn't. It, it it was too pink or something. It's like what, what do you mean by that? It's like it's like it's like why why give us a little more substance. Um, it almost makes like the like it almost makes me feel like he just made the video just because he wants to put something out to make his channel active. The dude more... has like a decent amount of followers, or yeah, viewers, um, and it's content, but it's not content I respect. But his other feedback was like <laughs> he couldn't get into it because he couldn't handle the black and white art, and I'm like, like. Have you never seen a black and white movie? Like, is he the kind of person who just can't sit through a movie because? I'm pretty sure he's never seen a black and white movie. <laughs> I'm pretty like some of, the best you're gonna movies, get some of the best uh, movies were made back when they had no color and I don't need them remade with color to enjoy them. I can I, do it on the substance of I would It wouldn't surprise me if he went and was like Casablanca, more like Asablanca. <laughs> <laughs> or it's like 12 Angry Men. I'm one angry man. <laughs> or, about, I mean, or about Seven Samurai. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. I doubt that he'd be able to get into for your Jimbo or something. Right, yeah. He, so yeah, what do you know? He has he has this, he has the recent Chris Pratt uh, Magnificent Seven remake. <laughs> that's his version. Of, that's that literally is Seven Samurai, but for the West and remake. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that w- yeah. Ugh. Yeah, Savage Sword of Conan has gorgeous artwork, man. The the likes of John Buscema and Alfredo Alcala. Dude, the, the the drawing is so intricate and, and the inks are... The, the lines are beautiful. Yeah. It, it's like one of the best looking black and white comics. It's like, it's like what do you even like bone before it was turned into color? It's like, <laughs> like, it's I bet, I, I doubt that's the kind of guy who, who would enjoy bone, to be honest. He's so, probably so likely to say it's for kids. He'd have, a, he'd have yeah. a bone to pick with it. 
Aha. <laughs> nice. So, so let's fill in the gaps a little bit then. I mean, there is, there is definitely a long tradition of excellence that's tied to Conan in terms of like the art, the storytelling, um, the world building. There's just so much spectacular craft that goes into it. And I mean, yeah, if we're gonna if we're gonna talk history, it's before all of our times. But mm-hmm. it, it doesn't mean that it's not worthy of um, you know being enjoyed or being picked up and, and studied a little bit. So we're we're kind of disagreeing with that. That you know it is worth a read. So maybe from you guys, let's hear let's hear some, I guess, criteria of why you would definitely recommend it. I mean, you don't have to redo the whole top twenty five episode, but just like in a nutshell. I was gonna say we should save it. We shouldn't spoil it. We should just make people listen to that podcast. You know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We'll we'll add a link when we post this up to to the Conan episode. How about that? So that if people want to know why we like Conan, then they can certainly go back and listen to that one too because for me it's enough to say that i like conan because i fear him more than i love him <laughs> <laughs> that's a great answer <laughs> um moving on to the final comic on the list was shang chi master of kung fu and deadly fists of shang chi i think the Deadly Hands of Shang-Chi. Deadly Hands of Shang-Chi, yeah. Um, this one is a little harder for me to say anything about because I haven't fully read it myself, so I can't... Uh, well, I mean, what we can say with the current climate there is that because he's like Shang-Chi, he must be racist. Um, I'm Asian, so I can say that. Yeah. <laughs> 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 racist! here's the thing with with shang chi um i did try to read that run i uh, actually requested it from the library this one time i I think not only did i uh request not only did i borrow it from the library but i was the one who uh you know you can make suggestions to the library to to ask them to buy something purchase it (laughs) yeah so the library bought that for me and then I, i borrowed it and I did try to read it. I, I, I couldn't personally finish it. I mean, I could have finished it if I really tried to, but it, it didn't grab me. And I mean, I already knew stuff about Shang-Chi. Like I'd picked up random issues of Shang-Chi back in the day, you know, like from comic stores and, and, and uh, growing up in the 90s, when you'd go to Toys R Us, they had those packs where you could pay like five bucks and get five random comics. Sometimes you would get a Shang-Chi in, in those. Yeah. So I already knew stuff about Shang-Chi, but uh, the, the early issues in the omnibus, I, like number one, um, I think the this is something that I've also noticed with um, other series from the 70s and 80s, and I guess just older series in general, where uh, the coloring from older comics, when you put that on a modern high quality paper stock, it often looks a little more garish than it should be because when you look at it on newsprint from like the original issue, the newsprint kind of soaks in the color. So, so things that are like purple and, and yellow don't jump out as, as uh, brazenly, but on modern omnibus paper, that coloring is pretty garish. It makes it hard to look at. And on top of that, 
they never changed how Shang-Chi was colored orange. <laughs> <laughs> and was he really tan Asian? It, uh, he was Trump level orange. He <laughs> 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 was like, like block inhumanly of orange. orange. <laughs> yeah. That sounds uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah it, I will say this. Shang-Chi is a is a comic where I probably like the idea of Shang-Chi the character more than I do the actual comic. So I would have the foresight not to buy the omnibuses myself just because I I think I know what I would expect. But you know, again, I, I at the very least I have love for Shang-Chi as a character, I want him to succeed. I want to see a Shang-Chi, you know, run someday out there that's in existence that I can claim as my favorite Shang-Chi run of all time. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I'm with you on that one, man. Yeah, like, I've always got to root for the Asians. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So that was the list of his 10 comics that, or 10 omnibuses that we felt the need to respond to and refute and defend. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh yeah, and uh, I, I, I just checked if uh, anyone wants to listen to what we said about Savage Sword of Conan. Look up episode six of Between the Gutters when we talked about uh, the number thirteen book on our list, which was the Savage Sword of Conan. Yep. Yeah. So episode six, episode six. That's the one to go back to. Very good. 